Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined, as always, by Will Schroeder, my friend, partner, the CEO and founder of Startups.com. Will, as founders, you know, I think it's fairly ubiquitous that we're either aiming for or at least thinking about that big moment, the exit, something liquid happens and, and we get some money. But, you know, frequently after this event occurs, all of this chatter bubbles up and all of a sudden everybody's got an opinion on how well the founder did or didn't do. And it's typically didn't do at this point of exit. So, like, what do you have to say about that? I have a feeling I know what you're about to say about that. But <laughs> go ahead. These are the straight up startup haters, right? It drives me insane. I'm so glad we're doing an episode about this because this is basically going to be a nonstop rant of who these people are and how much they <laughs> piss me off. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah. because first off, the fact that anybody even got to an exit and we'll get in all this, right, is so few and far between. Like in my mind, the people that are sitting there saying, hey, it wasn't good enough would be the people standing at the end of an Ironman triathlon saying you didn't get the best time. It's like, dude, I just ran a triathlon. <laughs> like, I that's ran a triathlon, really. right? It's like I won the Super Bowl only by seven, right? Right. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I want to pick this apart. I want to pick these people apart. I want to pick the argument apart. Anybody that's sitting around saying that founder sold for too little probably doesn't understand what the hell it takes to actually get to one of these exits. And if they do, right, their argument might be more nuanced. So if it's another founder, like if you and I were talking about it, and we said, hey, that founder sold for too little. The nuance in how we'd be talking about it might have been, boy, like I wish they had gone, you know, and pushed a little bit further. I think they could have, you know, cranked up the valuation, et cetera. But we would have said it with reverence. We would have said it with, but I'm glad they got an exit, right? That isn't how most of this goes, right? It is not how most of this goes. And so, you know, before we get into it and all the, why the argument itself is pretty much bullshit, let's talk about who these people are, right? Who are the haters, Ryan? If you were to define this archetype, what does this look like to you? All right, so before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like, 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. I don't love the I don't love the term entrepreneur, but in this context, I'll go ahead and use it. Like it's it's not something I would normally say, and I don't use it for founders who are still working and trying to accomplish something. But there's a lot of people who are just like entrepreneur adjacent, founder adjacent. Oftentimes, it's people who've actually never started anything. That pisses me off. Right. It's, it's people who have ideas, but they've never moved forward with anything. Or it's the jaded founder who's, you know, tried three or four things. None of it's worked. They haven't gotten their exit. Sometimes it's just, you know, employees at startup companies. Right. Sometimes it's people who aren't even in the startup space at all. They're just like these random pundits without any qualifications whatsoever. Right. And that's typically what it is. Right. It's certainly not people who've made a career out of this in most cases. Right. It's, it's not the retired quarterback turned color commentator. Right. 
it's people who are at the very early stages of this or again, like just people who are adjacent to it, people who've seen like what, you know, X company sold for and therefore this one should have sold for the same amount. Right. And they have no real yardstick other than the amount. They have no idea what the effort it took to do all this is. They have no idea how unlikely the outcome happening at all all is. And they have no perspective on what kind of money we're actually talking about, right? Look under that guy's mattress. You're going to find nothing. And yet he's telling this person, you sold for too little based on your experience of having what money, right? So, you know, as an archetype, they're probably also the people who are complaining and griping about pretty much everything else. Like I would say, 90% of these people probably have a Reddit account um, (laughs) and are going on and on about something else that they're not experts on. But, you know, it it comes from all over the place. And I think that's part of the problem, right? Actually, that is inherently the problem, is that a lot of this comes from sources that have no business opening their mouth in the first place. Which drives me nuts, right? Because, and I I can't even hold myself back when I watch this happen. (laughs) I've I've seen you respond. (laughs) (laughs) Given that we do this for a a living, right? Nothing drives, it'd be the equivalent, right? If you were like LeBron James, Tom Brady, hearing another person who's never even played basketball or football, talk about how good or bad your game was, right? "Mm, Okay. Like you're not wrong. I actually didn't win the game, but you're also not me. Right. So like I'm going to take your opinion with a grain of salt. Now, that said, what bothers me the most is just the lack of self-awareness that comes with this dissection. Right. Where it's like, oh, well, that founder, you know, could have done this, could have done that, whatever. You know, they, they really lost out on this sale. And I think to myself. You have no fucking idea what you're talking about, right? I mean, again, this is going to be a long rant, right? You have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea how hard it was for that person to even get to that point, to get to that moment, to even be able to do that. And, And what frustrates me, and we can get into the journey and everything, but what frustrates me is just that fundamental lack of self awareness from the people even making that statement. I've got a a funny um, story for you. And I wish I had a touch more detail to it, but paraphrasing a little bit. Years ago in the era of Steve Jobs, they had an iPhone launch and one really famous reporter at the time, quasi-famous reporter, was just dogging it, was dogging the iPhone. Yes. In Jobs, and and this is one of the best moments I've ever seen, called that person out specifically, right? Emailed them and said, just to be clear, I did this, this, I invented the personal computer, (laughs) like I invented mobile phones, et cetera. Final words. Now explain to me what you've done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and of course, the, well. the reporter published it, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, checkmate. But that's my point, right? He had yeah. every right to say that. And I'm not he saying that, that reporters can't report and have opinions. I'm saying at the end of the day, those are just opinions and they're bullshit opinions. The opinion that yeah. matters is the person that actually did it. Yeah, I, I think that there's two things that really hack me off about this. One is the fact that they really have no perspective. They have they have no right to be saying these things in the first place. And secondarily, they're not considering the impact that this has on the founder, right? This person has just been through hell to get to this point. And now they've achieved this. And now you're making them second guess themselves if it's getting back to them. And in a lot of cases, hopefully people are just ignoring this feedback and not seeing it, but 
as founders, we tend to take most of this stuff pretty personally, whether we should or we shouldn't. Um, I remember somebody once saying, like, the minute you become YouTube famous, you have to stop reading the YouTube comments. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to go throw yourself off a cliff. So the the same thing applies here, right? You got to try to ignore as much of this feedback as possible. But I think that's the thing that really aggravates me is that these people are taking pot shots at people who've just accomplished something great by saying it wasn't great enough, or it could have been different in this way or that way without the credentials to do so, but also without considering the harm that they may be doing and to what end, like a, who gives a flying fuck about your opinion? And two, why does it matter? Why did you need to offer this? What value do you think you're adding? Who do you think you're educating? Who do you think you're helping? And if the answer is, meh, nobody just felt like running my mouth, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> End of story. We don't need you. You're not welcome here. Go away. We're going to use up all our expletive, our, our entire all uh, of, it. of expletives. <laughs> yeah, really. yep. this is our this is our NC-17 rated album. Yeah, yeah, we've got a few. Come on, you got to give them to us. So long time ago, I got a funny story. Longest time ago, there's a guy named Sam Altman. People will know who he is now because yes. he was the president of YC and he had an incredible career. What a lot of people don't know is that prior to YC, when he was a YC candidate or a member, whatever it is, uh, alumnus, he actually started a company called Looped, and Looped was a, a credit card. It was a long time ago, really long time ago. And Loop sold, if I recall, my memory sucks, but if I recall, for like $40 million, but he had raised maybe as much money, et cetera. And it posts in Hacker News, which for those that are you unfamiliar, it's a Reddit-like blog that's specific to Y Combinator. So these are his people, or so he thought. It posts, and all of a sudden, there's you know, Loop acquired for $40 million. I think it was Walmart, who it doesn't even matter. And uh, there's this long string of posts, exactly the people that I'm talking about, right? The haters jump in and so, sold for too little, you know, what a miss, blah, blah, blah. And poor Sam is reading all this. I mean, I, dude couldn't have been more than like 24 at the time, right? And I never post in Hacker News. Like, I just don't care about it. But on that specific day, just seeing all of those people in exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about frustrated me so much that I just absolutely had to chime in. Yeah, you had to fire back. You're like, hey, Sam, I'll take this one. And so here's what I wrote. And I'm paraphrasing. It can be Googled. It's out there. I basically said, fuck you guys. I said, yeah. <laughs> you guys are basically the people, like I said, at the end of the marathon that are criticizing somebody for not getting a fast enough timeline, right? Right. You get to do that when you're in the marathon. If yeah. you're not, if you're in the stands, you have no leg to stand on. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you're not looking backwards while running and seeing <laughs> that person behind you, you have no say in this. If you're like, oh, I contributed. I, I, I stood and I, I held a cup of water for people as they ran by. Like, yeah, your opinion means that much. Nothing. Okay. Right. We but, don't care. But here's, here's why I say that, because for the people that are in the race, right, that's ex not what they're thinking. They know how hard it is yes. to ever get to that outcome. They know how rare it is to ever get to that outcome. So the people's opinions that matter right. are the ones that are, you know, in the race with you, right? Yes. Their opinions matter, right? If your co-founder is like, oh, we didn't sell for as much, that opinion matters, right? They are <laughs> sure. the whole thing, right? Right. That matters. But from the startup founder standpoint, they're thinking, what the hell? Right. right. <laughs> it worked so hard to get here. How, like, how is this happening? And, and Sam was shell shocked. And so I wrote that up 
And Sam was like, well, thanks so much for sending this. He's like, if we ever get a chance, let's get a beer together. And, uh, and I want to thank you personally. Well, lo and behold, a few years later, after he had become the president of YC, clearly he knew, knew what he was doing, we ended up getting that beer together. In the same time, he was so thankful. It still bothered him, right? It still grated on him. That's the thing. This is what I was talking about before, right? The impact that this has on somebody, and obviously Sam continued on to do other great things, but he still carries that around with him, right? He still carries totally. that baggage of knowing that people took a shit all over that deal for right. no reason whatsoever, right? Benefited them in no way, benefited him in no way, hurt him in some ways. And like, to what, to what point, right? So just like, you know, I think our mothers all told us this. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, especially if you have zero perspective on the thing you're talking about, right? I'm not going to tell Lady Gaga that that last album would have been better if she'd focused more on her <laughs> breath control, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Well, okay. So what's important to me about that, Ryan, is that I think from the startup founder standpoint, when they're reading the comments on YouTube, so to speak, think about this for a second. Think about who's writing them. Think about whether or not they have a leg to stand on in order to be able to make that comment, right? And if they do, you know, if they legitimately, you know, have it, were they there with you? For example, a couple months back, a friend of mine sold his company and I knew some of the investors in the deal. And some of the investors in the deal said he didn't sell for enough money, right? He sold it too soon. Okay, I'm listening, right? Tell me, you know, what you know and how, you know, how you were engaged with it and, you know, the return you got and what you were expecting. That's a great conversation, Right. I'm not saying I agree with you, but you certainly earn the right to form You've an opinion. Got a on this point one. of view. Right. Right. Yeah. You have a perspective and, and you have a right to an opinion on this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're appropriate to be having that. What I want is for a startup founder who is in Sam's situation. When that situation comes up to go guns blazing at these haters. Right. Yeah. To go guns blazing, saying, unless you're on the field with me, shut up. Right. And I think we don't feel empowered to have that. You know, we take that negative energy and we internalize it. And Ryan, you and I love founders so much. The idea of a founder who just went through all this work, then beating themselves up over what other people said pisses us off. Big time. Big time. Yeah, I, I think there's a few defenses against this. One, I think they should feel fully empowered to fire back. Now, sometimes shooting back at the trolls just brings more trolls. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah, of course, so, of course. So there's that. But I do think it's appropriate to fire back. The other thing I would like to see is for other founders who have the right perspective, like you did in that situation with Sam, to fire back alongside them. Pile on. The other thing that I think is really important is to preempt some of this, right? Because a lot of times we see this happen very frequently, which is that like that founder didn't talk to any other founders before they did the deal. They didn't get any feedback a deal came along, they get super excited, they run into it, they do the deal, things happen. You know, we did we did an episode a couple months back now around not leaving anything on the table, right? Around like, this is that final step. You need to squeeze here. You need to do all your diligence and try to get everything you can out of this because this is probably the only time this will ever happen. Sure. And so it is important to maximize that outcome. Yes. However, third party, somebody from outside who has completely no idea whether you did or didn't do everything you could to maximize the deal needs to keep their mouth shut. However, a lot of times we see founders enter into these things and basically run through a process that they've never been through before, because why would they, unless they've sold another company, 
They go through the process, they sell the company, they don't get any feedback. Maybe they get some from their investors, maybe they get some from their co-founders, but it isn't very broadly shared, right? It's sort of like kept close to the chest until it happens so we don't jinx the deal, right? I would love to see that behavior change. And I would love to see more founders talking to their inner circle of founder friends about these deals as they're happening, before they're happening, so that they go into that deal feeling like I've gotten the feedback that I needed and I'm making the deal that feels right. And therefore, I've pre-built this wall. I have a shield now. I have armor against whatever vitriol or bullshit is going to get thrown at me by people whose opinions don't matter. I feel like if you set up that defensive step ahead of time, you're going to be in far better shape for whatever anybody says after the fact, because you're going to go, we already thought about that. We already discussed that and we made the right decision. So go screw. Well, but the other side of it is somebody says they didn't sell for enough, right? We've definitely covered off on the part that they probably have no you know, right to that opinion. But what's missing in that statement is they didn't sell for enough or they didn't make enough. Enough for whom? Right. And, and here, here's what I'm saying. There's this great story about the founder of Pandora and look it up because it's an actual incredible story. But basically, he ran 10 plus years running Pandora. It eventually sold when public. I can't remember it so long ago. And he made 20 million dollars compared to what it was if it went public or sold. I, I'm pretty sure it went public is again a long time ago. They did this this interview with him. And they said, boy, you know, this is exactly this, you know, company goes public, let's say it's worth $500 million. And, and all you got was $20 million after working on this for so long. You know, how do you feel about that? And he's like, amazing. He's like, what the hell else? What was I going to do for the last 10 years? That was going to net me $20 million. He's like, why would I be upset about that? And I loved that response because what's missing in this scathing review of the outcome is how much money that actually is. Right. Right? right? Like he'll never have to work again. How exactly. is that bad? Right. <laughs> like what did he right. screw up exactly? You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. Yeah, we did an episode on this as well, right? Where we talk about what actually is required to have a life-changing outcome from an exit standpoint or from a taking cash off the table. And it's not nearly as much as, as people think, right? And I won't go through all of it again, but you and I talked about spreadsheeting the important things in life. I actually talked to not a founder, but an early employee in a startup that exited about a year ago who did well enough. He's like, man, I bought my house. I bought my car. I moved back to the, the city that I want to live in. And I'm super happy. I've got, I've got money in the bank and like everything's paid for is like, this is amazing. Right. And it wasn't nearly as much money as you'd think. Right. But it was enough to change this guy's life forever. Now he's taking another job, but he basically wants to work himself out of that job and go pursue a startup idea that, that he has. And that's what we were talking about. But he bought himself the freedom to do that by becoming completely debt-free, having some money in the bank, owning everything that he really needs to own, right? His spreadsheet is now complete. 
He doesn't have a yacht or a private jet. He also said he doesn't want either of those things. So kind of doesn't matter. Right. So right to your point, talking about these amounts of money and that they didn't sell for enough relative to exactly what? What is it that you wanted them to make? How much money does them having going to make you happy? (laughs) Why do you give a shit in the first place? They're not giving any of it to you. Right. Well, what, what they're saying is relative to what the company could have done relative to the size of the company for it sold for that their piece was so small that it was a bad outcome. And I think what's missing from that is you have to look at the absolute value of that money, not the relative amount of that money, right? There's, there's this great Jay-Z quote that says, what you eat don't make me shit, right? And when what, he's like, what's good for you doesn't matter for me, right? If $2 million exactly changes it. my entire life, I won, right? Go fuck yourself. And, and the other thing that I see, Ryan, the people that say like, oh, we only made $2 million, et cetera, never made $2 million. (laughs) They're getting nothing to compare that to, right? That's what I'm saying. They're like, oh, $2 million isn't shit. Yeah, unless you don't have it. (laughs) It's everything in the world. $2,000 in your bank account is 2,000 times less than what's in mine right now, right? (laughs) Right, like you you have no perspective on this. You don't understand what that buys you, right? But but again, I think that's, that. we've seen this, we see this with founders as well, is that they, they're not really thinking about, right? When we talk to founders who are saying like, I've got to sell for 500 million. I've got to take a hundred million off the table. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we have this conversation all the time where it's like, do you, do you really need that much money? Right. Uh, how many more lifetimes do you plan on living? Or like, what museum do you plan on building? Like, like, are you, you, you planning on adding another head to, to Rushmore? Like, <laughs> what do you need all this cash for? I don't understand. And, and so I think that's where it gets twisted. But we, we see even founders do this. So it's understandable that people outside don't truly understand what's required. Like what's a meaningful exit. The part that I'm going to come back to is what business is that of yours? You weren't worried about the fact that they've been on, you know, the the ramen diet for the last 10 years building this thing. You weren't worried that they didn't have enough money before. Um, Now you're worried that they don't have enough now that they have magnitudes more. Why weren't you worried about it when they had no money? That's when you need to worry. Not now, right? That's when it was relevant. It's no longer relevant. They've got money. It's not yours. Where's your dog in this fight? I don't get it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but I think the founders think feel this way too in some cases. And, and so yeah. I, I, you know, I want to, I want to make that argument relative as well. I'll give you another example. Uh, one of my good friends from childhood in the nineties worked at a company that had a massive IPO. He was on the founding team prior to the IPO. He actually took his like strike price shares, which were way cheaper than what they would have been at IPO. And he cashed them in and the founder was pissed. He's like, what are you thinking, right? This is going to be like one of the biggest IPOs, you know, the dot-com will never bust, right? You know, et cetera. And he took about a half million dollars off the table, right? And that half million dollars, he's like 22. That half million dollars paid for his law school, paid for his his house, his cars, everything, right? Advanced his life like 15 years, right? Lo and behold, that stock would have gone on to become worth nothing, Right. right? Like for a minute, it was worth $10 million and then it was worth nothing. And it was, it was held up anyway. He wouldn't have got Nothing. anything out of it. Yep. Not the point. Funny epilogue, but not the point. What I watched with him was the difference, the difference at life-changing and everything else like that 
when you have the means to check off the five most important things in your life in a day, right? What people don't get when they're saying, hey, it's not enough, is that it's not enough unless you don't have it, right? right. 250 grand isn't a lot of money unless you don't have 250 right. grand. Ryan, I also see this now among a growing number of founders, and it, it kind of bothers me as well. In this case, I'm pointing to the founders where they're like, you know, a million ain't shit or 10 million ain't shit. Ah, you're to say that because you have it, right? You've got amnesia from back in the days you didn't have it and, you're, and you were living on ramen noodles, right? Million dollars is all the money in the world to people who don't have it. And when you lose sight of that, you've lost your shit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's exactly it. I have this conversation with founders oftentimes around just even like their salaries, yep. right? And and they're, they're talking about a business and they're like, yeah, but you know, I just can't see where I can get this thing past paying me like three or $400,000 a year for the next five years. I'm like, what are you making now? Like, <laughs> 120, like right. <laughs> math being an exact science, uh, sounds like you'll be better off, right? Like why is that a bad outcome, right? People just get so confused and that we've set the bar in, in such weird places around what has to happen to consider ourselves a success as a founder that it's making it really hard for people to have the proper perspective on this. And they start setting the wrong goals. They start, you know, taking the wrong actions. They raise funds when they don't really need to simply because they think they have to go further and further and further and bigger and bigger and bigger. When it turns out that a business that's kicking off three or 400,000 net to the founder, when the most they've ever made in a year is a hundred thousand is a hell of a life change, right? It's magnitudes different than where they were. And yet they're like, but why would I start that if that's where this caps out? Like, I, why would you keep working the $100,000 job if that's where that caps out? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. You tell me. That's for you to answer. You know how much money you need to achieve the things you want or you don't. And that's what you and I typically find is that they actually don't really have clear understanding of here's what I need to be satisfied and to be wealthy and to be free, right? And it's endemic. Right? It's endemic in most of the population. People are just chasing more without a good measuring stick for how much more is actually required. Well, right. So, you know, we work with founders all day long and, you know, we've done okay in our own careers, but we know plenty of founders that have done way better. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't matter, right? Doesn't. Because if their money doubles or it gets cut in half, our income is exactly the same. Exactly. Right? Like, right? And the other side of it is maybe my friends need a $50 million house in Bel Air. Cool. I don't, right? I just don't. And so in my mind, what they've achieved and, and what they can buy, it's not relative to me whatsoever. And the reason I bring that up is because what gets lost in this, both among founders and then the people who are questioning their paychecks, is no matter what a founder takes in, if the amount is relative to the needs that they have, they won. It's that simple, right? They, they didn't beat anybody else. They won at life. They won the, their own game, right? Yes. So if 500 grand was what you needed to pay for law school, buy a house, buy your cars, et cetera, you won. It doesn't matter if it could have been $500 million. You already accomplished your goals. The moment we lose sight of that, the moment we start counting other people's money, we will always lose. There's yes. never an outcome that beats everyone else, right? There's never an outcome. You're Jeff Bezos. Guess what? Richard Branson got to space before you did, right? There's always a way to rock, paper, scissors someone else, right? It doesn't matter. And let's remind ourselves for a minute that all of this is predicated on the idea that 
you get to sell at all, right? Yeah, it's a given. That is you are gonna sell. Absolutely not a foregone conclusion, right? It is in fact the lowest probability outcome, right? So let's talk about that. If you gathered all of the founders that have cashed out compared to all the founders that have started something and never cashed out, the first population would, would cover all of America. Yeah. <laughs> or second population that have never cashed out, right? The population that has cashed out would be the population of like the smallest town in America, right? It, people are so lost that there's this foregone conclusion that just because you built something that it will IPO, sell, whatever, that's so far from reality. It's the equivalent of saying, well, if you went to LA, you're going to become a famous actor, right? <laughs> if or you press an album, it's going to become famous, right? Like, yeah. no, it's not. It's right. the fact that, that this person's even in this conversation of the fact that they sold is so rare that you have to appreciate. And if you're the person selling, I'll give you another example. A couple months ago, a friend of mine sold this company. It actually had a really big outcome and was kind of being like, oh man, you know, maybe that wasn't the right deal or maybe I could have gotten more or whatever. And I was like, dude, you know, there's nothing saying that you were entitled to this victory, right? You're assuming that, yes, you were going to sell. Yes, you were going to you know, find an acquirer and just question how much, right? Not the case. And, and by the way, I've seen this happen. Six months could go by, Everything could change. The business could go sideways, et cetera. And you'd never see this opportunity again. We've got to calibrate for that. The improbability of this outcome. Yeah, which again speaks to, it rolls back to the other two points, right? Which is one that like any outcome is a great outcome because of the, the probability of it happening being so small. And go back to what we talked about in terms of whose opinions are actually valid on this and recognize that it's an extremely small pool of people, and it's probably not the ones who are actually saying anything about it, because they're off doing other fun things. Right? <laughs> Busy building. Yeah. Enjoying those life-changing outcomes that they've already created, um, not standing around griping about you not making enough off of yours. So, yeah, I think that when we consider, right, like how small the, this population is and how difficult this journey is. But again, only founders are really going to know that. And right. And that's where all of these super shithead pundits come from because they really don't know, or they don't yet know, right. They may be like, well, I'm a founder. So I, I do know how long you've been doing this three years, come back in 15 and let's talk about it. Right. So I think that people are jumping into this conversation. Um, and we talked about this already a little bit, but like they just don't have the context for all that it took to get here and the fact that even if you do all those things, even if you put in all of the effort and all of the time and do the right things, the outcome is still not guaranteed, right? There is no version of I keep punching the clock, I keep hitting my goals and there's a guaranteed exit at the end, right? right? It's just for how much it's right. And that's not it, right? It's, it just, it's just not true. And you can do everything right and still not exit because there's just not a buyer or market timing was wrong, or there were better opportunities than yours, despite yours being a great opportunity, right? Because it's a dynamic and relative situation. 
And so I think that's what makes this even more painful for you and I to see happen is that these folks who have essentially ascended to the absolute pinnacle of what is possible for a founder and still be called out and again by people that just have absolutely no right to voice an opinion is that much more painful, right? You know, we've used the pro athlete, we've used the, you know, the, the pop star. That's what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about somebody who's reached the peak outcome of their career path. Yep. And we're chipping away at them. Again, right. with zero benefit to us, other than a chance to, you know, pretend like we know something, which really just shows that we know very little. We open our mouth and prove that we're fools um, rather than keeping it shut and, and, and having it assumed. So like I, this part, I, I'm not sure how, how to make this clear to people, right? How to make it clear how difficult this is and how unlikely that it happens at all and how unlikely it is that it ever happens again. And so like, what's the point? Like, what, are, what lesson are you trying to give somebody? Right. And if you're not, then why are you talking at all? I just don't, <laughs> don't understand this part. We've got three communities we're talking about. You know, I think we've, we spent plenty of time talking about the haters and kind of, you know, how they, how they don't deserve to have an opinion, but that will not change anything. You know, Facebook is in Reddit is built for that. But what we'd want to focus the most on here we want to focus on the founders themselves so yeah. they don't lose sight of what they accomplished, right? The, the trophy that they're holding up, they earned. If you got this far, you earned it. No one can take it away from you. The size of the trophy isn't the issue. The fact that you got a trophy at all that you earned is the issue. But the last thing I would say is that it's not just the founder that we want to kind of prop up with this trophy. It's every founder like us around them that needs to suit up and say, you know what? I'm defending this person to the end of time, right? In the same way that you know, I stood up for Sam, let's say, I want other founders to be able to just go at it, right? This comes up at a cocktail party and you're another founder and you hear this bullshit, go at it. You can do it diplomatically. You can be far more kind than maybe Ryan or I would be, but defend those people. I do not picture a world where founders like us work the way we do, risk the way we do, and at the end of it, have tomatoes thrown at us. It's, it's just not the world I want to live. Yeah, for sure. You had this happen recently in one of your founders groups, didn't you? Where somebody was kind of second guessing an exit and then the group kind of rallied around them to support them through that, right? We did. It was the same thing where the founder had gotten beat up from all sides, yeah. right? This is my point. They got beat up from all sides and everybody around them was basically saying, ah, oh, you know, it wasn't good enough or this or that. And after a while, they started to believe this bullshit. Yeah. And they got in a room of other founders and the other founders are, are you out of your mind? Yeah. <laughs> like I would kill for what you just did. And you're sitting here talking about it, how it wasn't good enough because you let all these other people shape your opinion. And that's my point. In order for us to kind of rectify and, and change a lot of this, it comes out to every other founder, whether you sold or not, being on the side of the founder and talking about how hard this journey is, and for the few folks that make it, how much support they actually have. All right, so that was fun, but let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. 
And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.